1: Welcome back party people to the place everybody wants to be you know it you love it it of course is victory lane episode 137 on the docket for you today and we got Harris Lou on to chat about his design prowess his career in motorsports the incredible and incomparable influence of the late Sam Bass and his career really really fun chat with Harris on the history of graphic design that I had no idea about. It was great to learn a lot about the industry and to hear his perspective on different things. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that chat. Plus the Daytona frickin 500. God, that was so fun. We'll chat about the vibe, the race in general, and we have Fontana coming up this weekend for the first time in two years. But before we do any of that party people, you already know what time it is. It's time for the Wayback segment. It is episode 137, so Papa Siegel this week is going to pay homage to the number 37, a man that I like to call the Cheerios, man. Papa Siegel, take it away.
0: Thank you, Dub, and welcome, everyone, to episode 137. These mid-30 numbers are tough. 37's another largely undistinguished one. Only one win out of 663 starts for number 37 that coming for Hall of Famer Bobby Isaac in 1968, whose career we've already highlighted in Episode 71. Chris Busher and Ryan Priest have been the most recent wheelmen for the car, but after them, it was driven 54 times by the late John Andretti. Andretti was the son of Mario's brother Aldo, and with a last name like Andretti, it's no surprise that his career path was destined to be in racing. He was the Kart Rookie of the Year in 1987 and raced in the Indy 500 a dozen times. Though his accomplishments were certainly overshadowed by his famous uncle, whose wouldn't, John Andretti was an accomplished racer, too. He won races in Kart, IMSA, the Rolex series including a Rolex 24 hour victory in 1989, as well as NASCAR. His two NASCAR wins came in 1997 at the Pepsi 400, and in 1999 at Martinsville, where he made up a lost lap and took the lead with only four laps to go. I remember that race. He also was the first driver to ever do the Indy 500 Coke 600 double in 1994, No one's done it since Kurt Busch in 2014. Maybe now that Roger Penske's in charge of things at Indy, we'll see it happen again in the future. That'd be cool. Hey, Duve, did you know that Doug Rice was the first broadcaster to do the Indy Charlotte double in 2015? Something for you to aim for, my boy. John Andretti died in January 2020 following a long battle with colon cancer. We miss him. That's all for today. Back to you, Dove.
1: Thank you, Dad. Yes, the late, great John Andretti who passed away a couple years ago of cancer. But his legacy lives on, and it will live on on this podcast as well. So thank you, Papa Siegel, for paying homage to him. Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned
2: reggaeton. <laughs> and,
1: and let's go right into interview time with harris lou as i mentioned of lou creative Stuart haas racing graphic designer he is one of if not the best in the industry when it comes to the work itself the promotion of the work the quality of it it is just so so good top tier second to none and we covered a lot of ground in this conversation what his day-to-day entails as a graphic designer at SHR, and how it's more than just making graphics and putting them out. There's so many different things logistically to go through to make his job a success. He, He details all of that, and it's really, really fascinating. Plus, it's impossible to bring up Harris and talk to him without talking about Sam Bass, obviously, the late, great Sam Bass, the original OG NASCAR artist and NASCAR graphic designer. Hear a lot of stories about Harris and Sam, how they first met, his influence on Harris. Really, really cool perspective and we got pretty deep about that. It was awesome to hear that. Plus, how about the work that he has done? He's with Stuart Haas Racing now, working with the quartet of drivers there, but previously was at NASCAR. Has a huge, huge passion and fascination with Mustangs. Talked a little bit about that. And plus, what does he want to accomplish in his career that he hasn't already. He's done so much, and he continues to do great work every single day. But what else does he want to accomplish? What else does he want to make? Where does he want to go? What does he want to do? He lets us know in this chat. Without further ado, here is the conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, graphic designer extraordinaire, the man that I call the Sam Bass of this generation, Harris Lou. A pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, graphic designer extraordinaire. I say he's the Sam Bass of this current generation, which I know you're going to say, take it easy, Harris, but I really truly believe that it is Harris Lou of Lou Creative, graphic designer at Stuart Haas Racing, and as I said, an extraordinaire of all things NASCAR art, NASCAR graphic design. How you doing, my friend? It's good to see you.
2: I'm doing great man uh and that's definitely uh an honor to even be in the same breath as as sam as you know he was my hero he's yeah. all over my wall back here and and <laughs> you know his paint schemes and, and program covers kind of shaped the person i am and, and gave me a goal to shoot for so um to even be in the same sentence is is an honor so i appreciate that
1: of course i mean it and we'll get into it i'm sure uh because he was one of if not the biggest influences on you and your work we'll get into all that but I wanted to have you on the show because, as I told you before, we started recording and saw each other briefly down in Daytona. You know, a lot of people, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, or people that don't have social media at all, maybe an older fan, they have seen your work, whether that's on the racetrack, in promotions, souvenirs, t shirts, hats, paint schemes, whatever. They have seen your work. They may just not necessarily know that it's you who has actually put that paint team on track or made that design or made that sponsor mock-up. So let's start all the way at the beginning. How did you get here? And when I say here, I mean to this point of being a graphic designer, when did that passion project start for you and how did you get right here in the motorsports world on that crazy journey?
2: Well, I I mean, I always say, and and it's the truth, but I've been drawing cars since I could put a crayon to a piece of construction. I have
1: too, the difference is you're good at it.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I just I just kept going and, and practiced more. I think uh, you know, the, the beauty of art is that, you know, it's very accessible, especially at the beginning. Um now later on in life that that gets, you know, you have some respect issues and some things like that because everybody's told they can be an artist. But yeah truly, I mean, I, I started as soon as I could I could put pen to paper um drawing cars and, and fantasizing about what I could make cars look like and designing them and um you know I had a real gung-ho uh appetite for Chip Foose and Chip Foose's designs and, and the things that he would do on overhaul. And I mean, me and my dad would watch that over and over again. Uh, we always dreamed about having his truck overhauled, which he's kind of doing it himself now. Uh, as he's doing a rebuild on his 1970 F100. But that's kind of where it started was the streetcar stuff. And I mean, I've always been a NASCAR fan. My mom worked at, at Rose's Corporate, um, the department store, and she worked in the uh, automotive and the toy department on the, on the office side of things. So she'd bring home samples of NASCAR toys and her and my, uh, my dad got to go to like the Quaker state suite back in the day and the nice. Texaco suites. And so like, she'd go rub elbows and they've got pictures with like Dave Marcus and, uh, and uh, junior Johnson and um, Jeff Bodine, Brett Bodine, all, you yeah. know, they, they were in it. They were at Jeff Gordon's first win in 94. Um, so like they, they would bring me home a souvenir car. I, I've got them all in this little uh, case here and, Uh, they bring me home a souvenir program. And before I even went to my first race, I I got my first sand bass program. I think it was a 1994 Richmond program or something like that. And then they would, they went to the Meliella 400 and a couple of different Charlotte races where they got sand bass programs. And, um, and then I was lucky enough to get to go to the 1997 Winston and, uh, was right on the front stretch, right by uh, the start finish line, five or six rows up. And I just got to see the pomp and circumstance that was the Winston, the all-star race. And Mm -hmm. Dale was, Dale was running the Wheaties car. I mean, the the first time that there'd been an orange, you know, Dale Earnhardt car. Sacrilege. He was on the cereal box that Sam Bass designed and, you know, and that was Daryl Waltrip's final all-star race, you know, in in the 17 at least. Mm -hmm. And he was, he had the chrome fire suit and the chrome car and, I remember being up and seeing Mark Martin through the fence for the first time on my dad's shoulders. And that was when they used to, that was when they used to push the cars out to the front stretch and line them up uh-huh. and the whole team and the driver was pushing the cars. And I wish we'd go back to that. Cause that was just so cool. Getting to see everybody got their shine, not just the driver coming out on the stage. Um, but being that close and, and I was four like three and a half, almost four years old, somewhere in there like a month or month or so away from being four. Um, and or five and man it was just i never forgot it and i took the program cover home and would try to redraw it as a kid you know there was no way i was going to get even close but um that that 1997 winston they had just opened the turn two suites and all that so that was the focal point in the background and the cars were diving off into turn one and two and you had uh daryl walter's car, chrome car up in the sky with the fireworks and it was just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it turns out it was Sam that, that did it. And Mm -hmm. there was a story inside about Sam and who he was. And um, I think that was the moment that I realized that, Hey, there's a, there's a career there, you know, (laughs) drawing cars can actually become something. And uh, so throughout uh, elementary school and and middle school and high school, I would draw cars and I got into drawing people. And then in high school, I was drawing shoes for my, my football teammates and coming up with logos and um, I did a, a little study in eighth grade. They they made you like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go for college? And right. what do you want to major in? And at that point, I was like, I want to be an automotive designer, I want to do the engineering side of things, I want to make mm. cars, like I want to make the new Mustang or the new whatever. And uh got to high school and started looking at the curriculum, started looking at how much math that took. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> it's like ah. Uh, <laughs> that was not for me so uh, i got into every art class i could get into i got into photography a little bit um which i'm doing you know photography for stewart house racing now and and obviously i've I've shot magazine features and stuff for mustangs and um so got into photography and did our our photo class and our photo class at my high school very old school we still had a dark room we were still using film cameras which like all of that is very important to learn and i learned a lot doing it but i was also able to work with my art teacher to like we, we wrote a grant and uh, we got it approved to get, you know, digital cameras and a couple of laptops, copies of Photoshop, a, a wow. printer so we could print off photos. And um, all that came from uh, I hurt my back in junior year of football. So I was on the sidelines uh, for most of my junior season and I was in photography. So I asked my teacher if I could borrow the camera. And I started I was team photographer, fully dressed out in shoulder pads and jersey. and everything. Come on. So, uh, so i was on the field fully dressed up like i was ready to play with a camera Oh my and, uh, god! so like we started selling we would blow up the pictures and sell them as posters to my, my friends and players and i'd take the pictures and draw them and make people drawings and stuff and my, my high school art teacher really like laid the foundation for like this stuff is valuable people want this and yeah. and um she saw what i was doing drawing shoes and drawing logos for my teammates and like I, I'll never forget my buddy David Evans. He was probably one of the most athletic players on the team, and his number was three, and his last name was uh, Evans. So I did like an E3 logo uh-huh. and I did a, a Nike shoe, and she saw that, and she was like, you need to go into graphic design. She's like, that's, that's what, because at this point, I didn't know what my major was going to be. I knew I wanted yeah. to go to college. I was in AP classes. I was getting good grades. Um, I was getting caught drawing a lot in class and having drawings thrown away and mm-hmm. stuff, but like I knew I wanted to go to college, but until she was like, you need to you need to look into graphic design and I'm an East Carolina university alumni. You should look into there. Cause they've got a great art program. Um, it wasn't until that moment, I think my junior year, when I, I did, I knew, didn't know where I was going. I just knew I wanted to, to do cool stuff, you know, and, and yeah. I had already bought my Mustang by then and um, had gotten into cars. I mean, I've been into cars since I was a kid. Um, it was tractors first. My granddad was a farmer and then it was NASCAR. And then it was just cars in general, mm-hmm. um, and it still is to this day. But, but yes, yeah, so and I went to East Carolina University and did uh, four and a half years there. Went through the the art program, got my graphic design degree. Um, thankfully, my art program was very fundamental based for the first year because you know being from a smaller town, I'm from Oxford, North Carolina. Which, if you're driving from Charlotte to Atlanta uh, to Richmond on 85, you'll go through it. You might use the bathroom in our walmart or get a burger at our mcdonald's but i might have one <laughs> that's about all we've got uh we got a cookout my my junior year of high school that was just a very pivotal year for me we deal. got a cookout we got a cookout my junior year of high school and that changed the whole town that was the that was the place to be after every football game but so like i, I came from a, a lower funded school system and obviously you know when when the funds are low they go towards math they go to science they go to you know, the important things to, to the school system in the state. So my art programs were very underfunded, and and I kind of did what I wanted because the teacher kind of might have been a little bit of a teacher's pet at the time. But uh, so, so going to East Carolina, they threw me right back into drawing one and design one and, you know, figure drawing, which is where you go and they, the person comes in and drops the robe, and you got to draw whatever's there. Um, so... <laughs> I got I to learn a lot about. I got to learn a lot about anatomy and uh, <laughs> you know where, where the where the, the the bones are closest to the skin because those are the points you draw, like your collarbone, your shoulder, your elbow, things like that. And things I'm sure like that's that. That's all never... you drew, yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> it. But the, you know, th- things like that that you don't think about. I learned a lot of theory and color theory and why you know why purple and teal look cool together, and um, it really kind of took me back into you know. The whys, not just the hows, um, and that's a lot of what East Carolina was really good at for me. Like when when we did finally get on the computer, my sophomore year um, in the in the design program, it was a lot of uh, this is why these letters look good together. This is why you set this paragraph this way on this pamphlet. This is this is why you move this thing around this image. Not this is how you do this. Um, so honestly, we were we were very. Uh, self-taught as a as a group and we all kind of leaned on each other as, as students to to learn how to use illustrator and photoshop and all the tools that we needed to make the turn the why's into how's and and make things real um, and i was i was pushed a lot by my professors to do things outside of cars and you know get, keep myself more well-rounded and you know that wasn't my favorite thing to do i wanted to do car stuff all the time but i'm right. very appreciative that, that they pushed me in those different directions because i did things i probably wouldn't have done on my own Um, I made like a a fictional, you know, pamphlet to go inside of a CD booklet and um, worked on other things. we designed a full hospital. Me and my, my classmate had a group project where we had to design a a hospital and, you know, you don't think about like, you're designing the wayfinding signs. Like when you get off the elevator, the signs you look at to go to your room or your, you know, the, the department that was designed by somebody purposefully. And they had to come up with a system of arrows and colors and, Um, So just there was a ton of stuff that we got to touch and do, and it kind of gave me a good idea of where I wanted to go. Um, And luckily, the August before I graduated, I got in with a company called Late Model Restoration Supply, which is one of the three largest Mustang parts companies in the United States. And, you know, I had my 93 Mustang. I had pretty much paid their bills as a company for the past (laughs) five or six years at this point that I had my car. And uh, I got lucky enough to be able to go to Mustang Week in Myrtle Beach and shoot photos for them in, in July um, and do their kind of event coverage. And that turned into a, a job opportunity. And so I spent my first year out of college uh, in Waco, Texas, um, doing email marketing, mm-hmm. uh, product launches, product photography, car photography. Um, you know, I, I got, got a few parts out of the deal because at that point, you know, I bought my, 20, uh, my Sorry, in 2015, I bought my 1987 Mustang to drive out there. Um, so you know, I, I got a little, got a couple parts, got got a set of wheels. Got a boy. Um, but you know, Waco. I went from being at the one of the you know top ten party schools in the nation to uh, to Waco, Texas, with Baylor University, which was very conservative and very dialed back. And so, I spent a lot of time in my apartment. Uh, spent a lot of time playing Xbox and. <laughs> Um, so my life at work was amazing, but my, my life outside of work was, was pretty boring. And, uh, I had a former classmate like reach out, I guess this was October, November, right before the black Friday rush and go, Hey, I'm looking for a job in Charlotte. I stumbled upon this NASCAR job. Looks like something you'd be interested in. I'm like, you are right. <laughs> so <laughs> Stayed up till 3am that night, redoing my resume and my website and uh, applied for that NASCAR job and and ended up getting it in the, the following January. Um, so, it, and then from there, I mean, I, I was at NASCAR for five years prior to now. Um, on top of that, I've been doing the Lou Creative stuff. Uh, been featured in a couple of magazines with photo shoots that I've done. I've, I've built an event called Retro Meet that's been at Mustang Week every year. Uh, met the love of my life, Emily Butler, who's also a graphic designer mm-hmm. and, you know, wizard on on the NASCAR art as well. And, and we've kind of, you know, teamed up on on a lot of things and and really complement each other when it comes to art and um, and man, the last year I joined Stewart Haas Racing and um, had a heck of a, a first season on on digital and social and and it's just been uh, it's been wild, man. I've, I'm a fan that that is lucky enough to work in the sport and uh, I think at the heart of it, man, I'm just a I'm a kid that likes to draw cars and I'm a kid that loves NASCAR and I turned 30 this year, but I still feel like that that you know. Five-year-old that was looking through the fence at yeah. Mark Martin in 1997, and um, yeah, man, that's kind of the quick and dirty, uh, or, or it, it was pretty long, but yeah, that's how <laughs> I got here.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say, Harris, you just talked for like almost 15 minutes, and the one thing that I have that I took away from that is the fact that you were the football photographer in full pads. Is that bad? That that's yes. the one thing I took away from that.
2: <laughs> I don't think so, man. Because like, I I.
1: That's I mean that's, Why were you that's wearing the pads? My... You you were injured. You weren't gonna play. You weren't active,
2: I mean, were you? It looked cool. Did it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't I know. I it sounds it. weird. Hey, if I if they needed me, well, they I wouldn't have been able to do anything. So I can kind of relate
1: because when I played baseball, I wasn't good enough to actually make the team, but the coach liked me, but he wanted me to earn my jersey. So I ran the scoreboard without a jersey, but I was still wearing like pants and cleats and like the undershirt and everything. So I can kind of relate, but at least you had your jersey, you had your full pads, and you're just taking yeah, pictures mean, during the game. Well, Look at you go!
2: Before I got, so I got hurt like, like mid-season, so like I had played half the season, and, right. and I was I was backup middle linebacker. I was on all special teams. The what, like did
1: you think was... one day, like in the middle of the third quarter, you're like, oh, my back will heal real quick. I'll just put down this camera and just go make a <laughs> couple tackles. Like, what was the thought process? Really... <laughs>
2: I really can't tell you why. I mean, I never really thought about it, to be honest I love with you. Um, I would just you – know, I have my letter jacket most times over top of the shoulder pads. All right, <laughs> All right. So, you know, I didn't look like – I mean, I had the letter jacket and then the camera, but then yeah. underneath you were was stunned. full football You were like stunned. I mean, yeah, if something happened and, and every, the rest of the team fell off into a sinkhole or something, somebody had to run out there, right? Yeah, but, always uh, prepared. But, yeah, I, I had slipped the disc and pinched a nerve to where my, I think it was my right leg had no, like – I couldn't run, couldn't plant my foot or it would like turn into jelly kind of thing. And I would just fall. Um, So, yeah, I had a a nerve, a little nerve get pinched because I was doing, we were doing Olympic lifting and strength conditioning. So it was on a a squat max day and a clean and uh, jerk max day. And then we had pregame practice on a Thursday. And I went to blitz the, the middle hole on the practice squad and I planted my right foot and I went down. So yeah, that was uh, and then that was the start of my photography career. So, yeah, hey, I, I can't say I, I'm mad at the injury because it, it's paid off in the long run. But I was definitely disappointed at the time that I had to sit out. So I made the best of what I what I could at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did. So that, as I said, you covered a lot there. Um, pretty much everything that I had in my outline. So good for you for doing my prep for me. But let's go to let's go to the current and the here and the now first at SHR. Right, you've been in that role for. A little bit over a year now, and you came from the sanctioning body, NASCAR, to a team, Stuart Haas Racing, where you're not only a graphic designer, but like you mentioned, you do photography for them as well. And there's been some promotional elements. I remember with the Gravedigger car with Harvick last year, Oh yeah, you played an integral part in that and disseminating all the content that came out of that announcement. So besides on the surface, which is graphic designing and maybe making some graphics and putting them on social and helping with some race car designs, what all do you do on a day-to-day basis at Stuart Haas Racing? How do they use you, and how are you used?
2: Uh, so, I mean, y- you covered a lot of it. It's a lot of the social media design, like the race day graphics every weekend, the uh, you know the the preparatory stuff, the, the standard things that you see. Um, but on the back end, man, I will say, being at a team for a year, I have so much more respect for what goes into getting all the cars on track and at Daytona. Um, you know, I know there was a, a big spat on Twitter with people about, oh, you get four months, 14 weeks off or whatever it is. And that out. is not the case, man. We, you know, we had uh, we had the finale of the season last year. Then we had the Nashville uh, awards and then it was right back into figuring out, OK, we got to get this car done for a photo shoot. We got to get this fire suit in for this photo shoot. Oh, that fire suit didn't come in. So now we got to push that photo shoot. And we can't get this car wrapped. So now we got to have him lean against the chair and put a digital car in there. And it's like, man, it was wow. such a rush to, to get to Daytona. And, uh, you know, you're designing cars. We started messing with the next gen paint schemes last year in June. Um, that was the first meeting we sat down and went, okay, the number's going to be here. What do we do and how do we do it? And, uh, it was me, my coworker, Derek Lynn, who does most of our paint schemes, all the Daytona 500 schemes were Derek.
1: That's what I was going to ask. Uh, my yeah. first-
2: yeah. My, my first team actually doesn't hit the track until, uh, until Atlanta. So I'm excited for that. Um, but man, they've, they've got me tied up doing so many things, you know, photo retouching. I'm, I'm basically the studio photographer. I'm also graphic designer. Um, we've got my coworker West that does all the video and he's epic, man. He's awesome at what he does.
1: Yeah, it's been great. Um,
2: but, but yeah, I mean, it's, we started last June, me and Derek sitting, to, sitting down and, and got, coming up with, okay, if we, if we have a sponsor that's, horizontal, you know, with their logo is horizontal, where do we put it and where do we put everything else? If their logo is a circle, where do we put it? Where do we put everything else? And how do we sell this effectively? How do we split up the the car into, okay, this gets, this tier sponsorship gets you this section of the car. And, you know, so we were, I feel like almost over prepared when it came time to, to put the final paint schemes out, but. I and think it, think it shows showed. by the way, um,
1: I've said, I've said for a few weeks now, that SHR's paint schemes are the best out of the next gen liveries. And I mean that not just because you're sitting here. I've said it before. They're, they're great.
2: And, and, you know, we, we sat down and I, I think one of my quotes in the meeting was, we're going to do, we're going to do it this way and we're going to, we're going to flesh it out. I was like, and every other team is going to do it their own way. And by mid season, whoever has done it the best way, everybody's schemes will change the match. And I didn't expect it to be us. I mean, I, you know, we were, we were struggling. We had things that we thought weren't going to work. We had things that, that, you know, we were going back and forth on playing a little bit of, of you know, feedback ping pong and, and w- where we landed, man, I think we landed in a great spot. Um, Absolutely. they, they look, they look natural. They almost looking at them. It doesn't look like we moved the number half it the time. So good. Um, and you know, dealing with, okay, we've got a sponsor this big on the old car. How do we make sure that it's the same size on the new car or bigger? And how do we calculate that? And, I mean, we, we thought it through, um, for, for months there before we, you know, we had our, we had the Bush photo shoot, I think in September. So that was the, that was the first car we got done and we did a photo shoot and that was the first car. I think we, we wrapped with anything other than the test ski. Um, but yeah, man, it's been insane. Like hero cards. I'm, I'm currently still doing hero cards. Like that's, uh, that's something that's, that's wild. You got to get the updated bios. You got to make sure the photos are right. You got to get the the new, the, the social handles all in yep. the right place. And um, yeah, dude, it is way more than I ever thought it would be. Um, and, you know, we've got four cars, so you're doing it for four drivers, four cars, multiple sponsors per driver. Um, so, you know, you're shooting Kevin Harvick and Bush, Mobile One, GearWrench, Subway, you know, and like each one of those is a different fire suit. Each one of those is a different car. Um, it just it multiplies and compounds, and it's uh, it's really wild to think about when you know you get to Daytona and you've got most of it out of the way, and you look back and you go, "Holy cow!" <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really really awesome to see it all be real at Daytona, and you know, look at your hero card in the stand, and you know, watch the car that you helped you know give feedback on run on the track, and um, you know, see the crew members out there in their fire suits with the goes in the right places, and. Um, I got to have a little bit of feedback on our new hauler designs to try to come up with something that, you know, would last a couple of years. And we had places to move and add and, and change. And, you know, cause last year we went to the track. What was, what what race was before Michigan last year? Oh God.
1: I don't know. It was the middle of the summer. I don't know if it was Was Nashville or not. I don't know.
2: So whatever, whatever, whatever weekend it was before Michigan, we showed up to the track with uh, one sub, a uh, uh, sandwich company on all of our stuff
1: yes you Pit did boxes
2: fire suits hauler everything had a certain company's logo on mm-hmm. we showed up in michigan with a completely different sandwich company in those spots pretty quick so we we had been planning for like a month or i don't, we had been planning for a couple of weeks of how and when and we had surveyed the entire like everything we looked at everything and pulled it off and it was the wildest thing i've ever seen in my life like one one week we show up with one and the next week it's like that like it's just completely changed and boy you're talking about a lot of bases to cover that was one of the wildest things so this year when we were designing our haulers and and pit boxes and things like that we kind of thought about that in advance and kind of designed for it um, to go, hey, you know, what if we have another one of those situations? We got to have the logos on black with nothing crazy behind them. And, you know, what's going to make it easiest for our graphics department to print this out and change right. this? And gotta think, you her. know what? Yeah. So it's it's been extremely eye opening to see like how much goes into it. And I've got so much respect for the people I work with and the people that have done it for years because they're at this point way smarter than me. And I'm still learning. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's crazy how much goes into it. And, from the surface you're like, oh, you're making social graphics and you're you're doing paint schemes, but yeah. holy cow. <laughs> well, okay, so, there's, two so things. there's so much else.
1: Yeah, so two things. The the race before Michigan was the Indy Road course and the one before that yep. was Watkins Glen. So it was in there where the aforementioned sandwich company subsided yes. and subway you guys started eating fresh. So clarifying yes. that so, there.
2: Between the Indy Road course and Michigan, right. everything got switched over. Yeah. And insane. see,
1: crazy. And like you mentioned too, like on the surface, somebody like me, I know you're a graphic designer and you do great work and all the graphics that you put out, it's killer. Like I know that the average fan probably knows that. I didn't know that you have a hand in designing the paint schemes, having the photo shoots go a certain way so you can get all the content that you need for the hero cards, for the tuning graphics, for the paint scheme graphics, all these different things that go into having a race team run functionally because you could get by and do the bare minimum and not do any coverage on social and not have any great graphics and really have bare bone hero cards, or you could go the extra mile like you guys and have an actual department dedicated to all these different things. And again, I'm not blowing smoke, but it does show. It really does. Like the paint schemes are top notch. The graphics that you guys put out on social are top notch. And that's a testament to you and the rest of your team because you put, Stuart Haas has good people in these roles to do their jobs, and you guys do them really well. And again, on the surface, you look at somebody and you say, wow, they make cool graphics, that's sweet, or they designed a paint scheme, awesome. But you don't think of all the logistical hurdles and concerns that somebody like you has to go through to make sure that you're doing your job. And it's hard too, because like you said, sometimes a sponsor comes and a sponsor goes, and you have five days to switch over everything and to make it look like you didn't miss a beat, which you guys did, yep. but it's way more than meets the eye. So I think that you guys need a lot more appreciation for
2: what you do day in and day out. Well, I'm, I'm working with a great team. Uh, my, my boss, Jess Smith is, she fully believes in, in doing whatever we need to do to, to, to make a change, to do things differently, to, to make things better and and go that extra mile. Like you said, um, we've got my, my coworker, Hannah, uh, who's running the sticks every weekend on, on our social media accounts. And, and Marco Serna, who kind of has taken up more of a, like an administrative role and making sure that all of our projects are planned out. All of our ducks are in a row before we start. And all the proper people are, are on the the email chains and the the team's threads. And, um, and then of course, Derek making the paint schemes and Wes cooking up our, our amazing video content. And then Justin Potter who's, who does our, our race photography yes. and, you know he's awesome in himself because he's over you know hanging bodies and working on the cars all week and then he gets to come hang out with us on on the weekend and take oh, pictures wow. and make all the stuff make all the stuff that he just put together look good uh through through the camera cool. um so man we we've got a heck of a team and I, I think one of the cooler parts about the race team is you know falling in with the pit crews and and you know getting to know the guys like cheddar and rodney and and uh klaus meyer and and uh and, and you know you these, these are like, when I was working in NASCAR, I was in the pits all the time, right? I had hot passes, and, but you don't know these people, and, and you know, really, you, you're not, you don't have that camaraderie that you do working for a team, and um, especially, you know, once they get to know your face, and they know you're there to take pictures of them, and, and make them look good, then, then they kind of invite you into their space. Yeah. Um, you're not just standing on the other side of the yellow line anymore. You're right there on the wall with them, and you're talking to the guy with the pit sign, like, okay, where are you going to throw that thing? Cause I need to be able to dodge it while you're over there, you know, <laughs> yeah. get, and grabbing the tire. And so, you know, you get to know these people and, and really that, that's what it's all about, man, is the, is the people, and, you know, we, we can do as, as cool stuff as we want to do, but the people that we're doing it for make it even cooler.
1: So you think the biggest difference between working for NASCAR and now working for a team directly is that camaraderie, wow. that, that element of being a part of a team and pulling in one direction. That's the biggest thing.
2: Absolutely. I mean, like, so we, we we turned in our rental cars early on Sunday because we can walk to the airport faster than we could get out of the the daytime traffic from from the, <laughs> RC, from the RC lot. It's like we, we had RC lot parking, but then we were we we would have needed to go out of Turn Four to go. Just to the get airport. your steps in. Yeah. So you know, we we all met up at the at the hospitality bus and started walking to the airport. And we get out of the infield, out of the Turn Four tunnel, and we're walking, and it's me and Justin and and Jess and Wes and. Um, and all of a sudden, we hear, "Yo, Potter, Lou, what are y'all doing?" <laughs> Look over in his cheddar, in his in his uh, minivan with the couple of guys <laughs> from the four team. Like, where are y'all going? It's like, well, we're walking to the airport. He's like, y'all need a ride? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so we all we all piled in the back of the the minivan, and I got a selfie of all of us just like crouched in the back, sitting on luggage it. and stuff, but saved us probably five minutes of walking, but yeah. like, that's the kind of stuff, you know, like they, they know we're part of the team and, and they make us feel like we're part of the team. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I feel makes our stuff a little more genuine because they know we're there um, to make them look good. And, and the better they look, the better, you know, the more partners we can sell to the, the more genuine it feels as a team. And, and I feel like we really, we put that, that Tony Stewart uh, attitude and, and, and kind of, uh charisma into everything we do. Like he's a, yeah. he's our muse, right? So the way he treated his his team and the way he treated his people, I feel like everybody kind of tries to treat them each other that way. And uh really makes for a, a cool environment to work in.
1: Yeah, definitely. I wanna stick on one more thing you mentioned um when you were telling your story and how you kind of got into this position because I wrote in my notes that graphic design's a relatively new field. It's kind of a new, I guess you could say expansion into media because media is an ever-changing landscape as we know but graphic design didn't exist how it is today 20 years ago i mean it didn't exist how it is today five years ago it's always changing and i wrote in my notes sure. it's something that you can't get a degree for but i think i'm wrong i mean you went to school you are, you are. essentially to get a graphic design degree yeah. so yeah. i, I, I got find my, that interesting I got my,
2: uh... I got my expensive piece of paper right there on the wall. Yeah, the, exactly. Screen, I got but...
1: I got mine over there to learn how to tweet. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting because I didn't, and that's probably naive on my part, but I didn't think that you could go to school, you know, more than five years ago and essentially say, I want to do graphic design. Let me take classes and get a degree on how to do that just because I didn't think that technology had progressed that much, but clearly it has and clearly it did.
2: So, I mean, graphic design is, is a more, you know, it's a, it's a late 19th century, early 20th century profession, really. Um, really? You know, you're looking at, I mean, anything and everything that's been put on a label, on a box, on any kind of marketing or, or uh, collateral for any kind of brand is, is graphic design. Um, so, you know, if you look back at, at the 1800s and the 1900s, when people, it was hand lettering and it was, I mean, even back to the first printing press, like setting type and, and printing pages, that's graphic design as well. Um, and it's, it, you know, it wasn't always called graphic design that was printing and that was, you know, letter press and that was running a press. Yeah. Um, but it, it's all kind of evolved into what graphic design is. Um, so you know you're looking at the the 20th century when you know Ford got their logo and and Massimo Vignelli designed it and and Paul Rand had took a stab at it. Actually, two of the the most uh, epic graphic designers of all time. I mean, they, they did you know some of the most iconic logos like the, the IBM logo, Bell South, like all of those things. NASA. Um, those two guys, Paul Rand and Massimo Vignelli, actually put in a bid to design Ford's logo back in the day. Um, and I'm more of a Paul Rand guy, so on my Mustangs I put Paul Rand's version that didn't make it on my in my ovals instead okay. of the uh, okay. with the classic script. It's a little, um, but things. yeah, man. Graphic, yeah, graphic design's been around for as long as you could put a, a label on something, and uh, um, I think that's something my my granddad, who was a a farmer, he was second third generation farmer, and I grew up on a family farm. And uh, when I decided to go to art school, and I'd come home, and he was always skeptical. He's like, "How how are you going to make money on that?" And I was like. <laughs> You know granddaddy that that uh that box of honey nut cheerios you just poured your cereal out of somebody that went and got the same degree as me made that box right like so you know those lance crackers you're eating on the tractor out there somebody designed that label like me um so you know and it, it it's shifted uh, for sure it's shifted into digital um shifted into social media um but you know back in the day you had guys that were like sam bass and drawing it and painting it on paper um, and, and then putting it on whatever it was you know logos were drawn with marker and, and ink and then um, transferred through scanners and and printers and scaled up and scaled down and i think that's one of the coolest things about uh i got to to go with with uh, greg from off-axis and, and sam's wife and and his son to go kind of organize sam's personal things back during the pandemic and uh getting to see his manila folders full of process pieces like his what would be my photoshop layers was a manila folder full of pieces of paper um so like he would hand he would hand draw the outlines and then he'd scan that in and then he'd trace over the outline with whatever uh pin he would use and he'd scan that in, blow it up and then he'd paint over that and so forth and so on to where like all of his pieces that that looks like one piece um each of those cars i assume is a different cutout piece and he would have the final one pasted over each other to make the layout. The background would be one image, but all of those cards would be individual images that were pasted and, and glued on top and then painted over. Okay. Um, so where like his pieces, his actual originals are pretty much like a physical Photoshop file with actual layers really and cool. actual clipping, actual clipping and cutting. Um, so it's definitely uh, progressed and, and evolved to where we are today with computers and and how, you know, interactive it all is. And and I mean you're getting into the NFT space where you can make interactive stuff. And I'm not a big fan of that, but that's also, you know, graphic designers are making a killing off of those things at this point. Um so man, it, it'll always, you know, it'll forever change. But the heart of it is is uh visual identity and, and branding um, and, and conveying that in a in a visual way. Whether whether that's on a screen or on a cereal box or, you know, on your bottle of oil that you put in your car, you know, what Whatever you see a label on, a graphic designer has touched that in some form or fashion and, uh, and made it made a reality.
1: See, I've never thought of it that way. And it's, again, it's probably naive on my part because I don't work in graphic design. I don't have those applications on my computer. I don't know how to use them or anything like that. But my little mind thought, okay, graphic design is doing anything on a computer and just like making a graphic that you design. Like that's yeah. what I literally thought it was. I didn't think that deep in terms of you know, anything that has a logo on it, somebody designed that. I didn't yep. think that far. And it, it's kind of like this is deep into the weeds, but I went to Michigan State. We have like the number one school of packaging in the US. Yeah. I don't I didn't know what the design. hell packaging was, but somebody told me yeah. who was a packaging major, he said, Hey, everything that you get and that you use, it comes in something. How yep. that how that package comes, how it arrives, how let's say you get a fork How that fork arrives in a thing of plastic, how that thing of plastic arrives in a different thing, that's packaging. And how you can efficiently use that space, that's what the School of Packaging tries to teach you. So I didn't think that far with graphic design that it goes back that far. I literally thought that this was something that started like 15, 20 years ago. So I'm glad that you laid that out for me because I did not think that
2: way. Digital graphic design started in the late 80s. I think the first uh, Photoshop cs1 was like 1987 or 89 yeah. i don't quote me on that but um, when the internet you know, kind of started coming about yeah, that's when the modern
1: yeah. graphic design happened but like yeah. you said i mean it goes back hundreds of years
2: and i mean even you know you look at you know the atari and nintendo and the little yeah. sprites like the, the little mario guy like a, a graphic artist made that and figured out what mario was going to look like in the and the constraints that he had but but yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, at the at the end of the day, we're all artists. It just depends on you know what we're what we're putting our art on. Like you know, like Sam's piece here as a as a portrait is a is an art piece. But as a program cover with you know the proper logos on it and the date and the time and Charlotte Motor Speedway, that's a graphic design piece. Um, so it can you know once you start putting you know type and, and elements and things like that all together. Um, you kind of blur that line between art and graphic design, but, right. um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, I mean, it, at the, at the, at the heart of it, I, I feel like I'm an artist. I do a lot of different things. I can yeah. do a portrait. I can make a, I can make a graphic. I can do a pamphlet or a brochure and, mm-hmm. um, tried to, thankfully East Carolina allowed me to, to explore some of those avenues. Like I took a ceramics class, you know, like there was, uh, there was a lot of different things that I tried to, to dive into, to, to open my. Open my perspective and see things differently and did a lot of illustration. I mean, I, I love illustrating and, and drawing cars. I mean, that's the root of it, right? But drawing people too and, and learning how, you know, to capture anything that you're capturing, it's uh, photography as well. I mean, I feel like everything, the, the more skills you have as an artist, the, the better you'll be um, at whatever you do, because you'll, you'll be able to see things from different lights and you'll, you'll be able to learn techniques that you wouldn't have thought of, um, you know, even doing uh, ceramics. I. I we had a project where I took a a digital illustration I did in my digital illustration class and then tried to make it in in my ceramics class. And so using that mind to go, okay, I drew it this way flat. So now how would that look in 3d? And, you know, it, it takes a, it's just, it's good to, to shift your mind a little bit every now and then to try to, okay, would this be realistic or uh, how would this look on certain things in real life? And, um, kind of get your head out of that flat 2D space every now and then to to go, is this authentic? Is this how the shadow would lay? Um, and, and any kind of art that you can get into will make you a better artist no matter what field you're in.
1: So we've mentioned Sam Bass a lot. And anybody that has watched NASCAR from the 90s onward or even before, they know about Sam and they know his influence. And it's still felt today, obviously. And as I said at the start, I really think that you are kind of this generation, Sam Bass in that sense, because you do a lot of iconic work and it kind of lives in my memory and it lives in a lot of people's memories. You mentioned when you first got exposed to him and his work in that program, when you went to your first race, take me back to when you first met Sam and then how your relationship with him grew from there.
2: Well, It was a total accident. Um, and I'm very thankful for it. It was my first uh, Charlotte race weekend in 2016 when I got the job at NASCAR, and uh, I had taken a friend from college, and we were going to pick up uh, the credentials at the credentials hauler, which, you know, or the credentials building, which was right across from his original gallery at Charlotte Motor Speedway um, over there off of turn two, and so we're coming out of the credentials hauler. I look over, and there's the sign, and there's like a little sandwich board in front saying, you know, open to the public. I'm like, well, shoot, like I've always been a fan. Let's go and check it out. Let's go look at the gallery and see what's in there. Um, Not expecting him to be there at all and uh walk in the door and the, directly to my right, he's sitting there at his little autograph desk. And uh, I walk in, I take two steps, plant my feet, look at him and go, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was, he looked at me. He was like, and he started laughing and i'm like i'm so sorry i was not expecting you to be here <laughs> and like walked over to him we started talking and uh, he's like well welcome you know to, you know i'm flattered and blah 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 and uh i was embarrassed so i was like go walk around and look at stuff and, and let it blow over and i come back to him and uh, he's sitting right in front of the wheaties uh illustration which you know h- how ironic is that and <laughs> So I started telling him the story of my first race and the Wheaties and, and how much it meant to me and I, I can shift this a little bit but that's my little that's my Wheaties car shrine yeah. I think I've got I've got every diecast they made of it and all that good stuff and the original one I bought from the merch trailer when I was there that day. Love um, it. But you know so we started talking I told him who I was and like I'm a graphic designer at NASCAR now I just got the job you know gung ho and as soon as I told him that and he found out I was a fellow artist he was like well, you want to see the, you want to see the back? You want to go see like where I work? And like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was his wife and, and, uh, I probably Carrie, who was his, uh, assistant and amazing. Um, I think they were manning the desk where they were selling posters and everything. He told him that we'd be right back. And he gave me the exclusive tour, which I found out later he gave to everybody. Cause he's, he was just an awesome guy, but he really made me feel like the only person in the world that day that he cared to talk to. And, uh, just, we went back, we went and saw everything, we went and saw the little break room where he had his Van Halen painted uh, refrigerator and <laughs> like he had his refrigerators painted like Van Halen's guitar with the stripes and everything so on cool. it, had all his little, had all his little collectibles. And he showed me the original Wheaties box, like the first one in the case with the car. And, um, and then we got to the end and he points out the two pictures uh, by the door. I pointed them out and it was two Mustangs. And I was like, oh, what are these? And he's like, well, those are my cars, like the 72 Mustang was my first car. And then I've got the 2005. That's my car now. And so then I started talking about, well, I've got my 87 outside and I've got a 93. And so we both had two Mustangs and we just kept talking. And it was only like really only us in there because uh, it was getting pretty close to, to green flag. So there was really no more, you know, tourists to be seen. And uh so went up and and I was like, well, I got to buy a poster of the Wheaties car. Like, do you have one? And he's like, yeah, of course. And got the poster and I was like, well, can you sign it? And he signed it and, uh, and he ended up giving me his business card and was like, Hey man, if you ever need anything at NASCAR, if you ever want to talk or chat or whatever, he's like, here's my number. Wow. And uh, walked out of there with a the business card and went to the race, had a good weekend. And I think I gave it like a week before I texted him and was like, Hey, Sam, the terrorist from last weekend. And, and that started a, an awesome friendship and uh we ended up you know i, I introduced him to my coworkers at the time because you know they w- weren't really nascar people they just worked nascar but i i kind of helped you know connect them to the history of the sport and, and mm-hmm. teach them about the sport And we got to go get lunch with him, and uh went to jim and nick's over here in concord multiple times with them to get some barbecue and um got to see him at the at the hall of fame induction every year got to meet his, his wife denise who's amazing and we would just text each other, man. It'd be like 11 o'clock at night. And I'd get a text from Sam going, hey, you know, don't tell anybody. Here's the new program coming. What do you think? <laughs> and uh, like I would send him stuff like, hey, like, I'm doing this. What do you think? Like it's, I was inspired by this. Like I, I remember your Daryl uh, Walter portrait. I kind of put some of that style into this. And, like it got to the point where uh, the Christmas before he passed, he was sending me all of his um, his Christmas card stuff, man. He had so much fun with that. Like obviously he loved NASCAR, he loved music, but that dude was the biggest fan of Christmas, and that was his like passion project. That was his no no pressure, like he could do whatever he wanted, and uh, he had so much fun. The last line, um, I don't think it actually ever came out, but it was all uh, music themed. So not only was he mixing Christmas, but he was mixing music. Like he had Santa Claus on like in like the style of Michael Jackson's Bad album cover. Um, he had done, so it was like pop culture theme too. So he had like a, Jumpman jump man, Santa Claus. Um, then he had like Santa and his reindeer as like kiss with the big high heels and, and all that. So like, he was just having so much fun. And, uh, Emily actually surprised me for our housewarming gift and got him to draw my two Mustangs in the same style that he had drawn his two Mustangs. Wow. And, uh, that was in fall of 2018. Um, Right before he passed in the, in the in the winter of of 2019, and uh, that was they're pen and ink, they're black and white, they're right over top of our TV in the living room right now. And um, he unfortunately was was starting to, to get a little sicker at that point, so he, he couldn't hand deliver them to me, which was disappointing. But we ended up uh, you know talking about it, called him on the phone, thanked him so much. I got a handwritten note, and, and I mean they're hand drawn versions of, of both of my cars, which. I don't know how many people in the world got sand baths to draw their personal cars, but, uh, Emily definitely blessed me with those. And they're probably, if uh, if the house catches on fire, I'm risking my life to grab those. Absolutely. but it's, and then, you know, unfortunately we lost in the Daytona in 2019. And, um, ironically another NASCAR creative is who broke the news to me, which Dalen Barr, um, found me on pit road. And, you know, I was, I was in the, it was the Xfinity race. I was all like, you know, it's Daytona. I'm not connected, not looking at my phone. And, and, uh, I, I will never forget the care and the consideration that Dalen took and telling me. And, and we, we shared an embrace on pit road that day that didn't make it any easier, but I, I was comforted in knowing that I had somebody that I really cared about that was telling me. And, uh, got to go, uh, go to his, his, uh, his service and, and it was awesome and, um, was thankful enough that Brad Norman allowed me to write a, a a letter. Um, I didn't know what to say or how to say it, but it gave me the opportunity to say something and, uh, say the things that I wish I could have text told him. And, uh, I revisit that every year. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got to revisit it again. And, um, you know, that letter got published on, on NASCAR.com and, um it actually it it got my relationship with his his wife started um and and through that me her and and greg at off-axis and emily have kind of we're working together to, to preserve the legacy and and collect all the old pieces and you know put his old computer and his hard drives back together because there's thirty four thirty five 35-ish years of unreleased paint schemes and yeah. concepts and um, original files and um, we really got to go like he had a 53 foot box trailer of diecast that he had collected i think he kept one or one to five of everything he ever designed <laughs> in diecast for um but and man just so yeah with way too many i got i took home quite a few um some of those back there from his collection and mm-hmm. um but man it's uh yeah it's it's been it's been an honor to to be such a good friend with him and and be a friend of the family and uh be able to try to you know push his legacy forward and and keep him in the forefront because i mean like i said he he showed me that this career was a possibility and uh that i could get paid to draw cars for a living and uh without him and and his inspiration and and heck his feedback when i was at nascar i don't i don't think i'd be the designer that i am and um i've got multiple copies of his book and and whenever i'm low on inspiration i thumb through it and always find something that that sparks something new. Um, so he's, he's still pushing me along and and showing me new things even today and, uh, can't thank him enough. And and hopefully we can get him in the hall of fame someday. Cause without him, without that rainbow warrior car, there'd be a lot of, of NASCAR fans now that wouldn't have become NASCAR fans. And, uh, I don't think the, I don't think the NASCAR community really, uh, embraces that or understands that, you know, if Jeff Gordon hadn't been driving that rainbow car that Sam designed, he might not have been as popular as he was. Yeah. Um, I know, I know multiple people that I've worked with that, you know, aren't real NASCAR fans or aren't diehard NASCAR fans I don't say real, but aren't diehards. Uh, they got into the sport because they liked the rainbow car. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it was a starting point for a lot of people. And that came out of his, came out of his imagination and, uh, a lot more did too. So, um, any, any of the diecasts you held dear as a kid, he might've designed and, and kind of kept that fandom going. So, um, he definitely needs to be recognized and appreciated in some way. And then we hope to, to keep spreading the word and, and, putting his legacy out there. So hopefully someday he's, he's in the hall of fame or recognized somehow in a meaningful way.
1: Very well said. I I don't think I could add much more to that other than that. I really do think that you are helping his legacy live on. I really do. Um, and it's really nice that, you know, you were able to, to share that with his, with his wife and kind of thumb through all the different things and projects that he had, because I'm sure that you're one of those people that he would have wanted to be there and to help leave his legacy and lead that on. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's awesome. And that's really cool that you got to, to spend those moments with him. And again, to, to continue his legacy, it's also probably just gotta be so cool for you even to look back and think back because that was your guy. Like not a lot of people get to, let alone meet their heroes, but also work with them, draw inspiration from them, have a relationship with them, and have them be your actual mentor. That's really, really rare. And when you can get it, it sticks with you, and it clearly has. So, as cliche as it I, is, I feel like that is just so, so unbelievably cool.
2: I don't know how many times like he texts me and and asks for advice, and I'd look at Emily and go,
1: "What's happening?" You're asking me yeah <laughs> like, yeah
2: like, you're, you're the legend man like but you know it's it's uh he was a real person and a real amazing person i don't think uh, i don't think he ever met a stranger i don't i've never heard anybody say a bad word about him and uh you know not only did he teach me how to be an amazing artist and, and show me that my career was possible but um you know he set an example for how to be a great person and how to how to work well with people and, and how to foster your client relationships and, and build those brands i mean he he did Miller's stuff for like 20, 25, 30 something years. And you think about all those iconic paint schemes, you know, he was, he was able to foster that relationship and bring us the blue deuce, bring us uh midnight and, you know, all the way back to, to the gold and, and green uh, Bobby Allison cars. Like, you know, thinking about those things and how long those relationships last. It's, un- it's almost unheard of these days. And he really set the example for, for all of us to, you know, be great, not only great at what we do, but just be great people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could have met him. Um, but again, it's, it's great to see his work living on through you and I'm sure that he will get his day in the sun and in some way, former fashion be inducted into the hall of fame because as you said, he is well, well-deserving of that. I got a lot more questions for you, and I know we have a limited time, so let's try to run through some of them quickly. Let's go. You've, rapid you've fire. mentioned You've mentioned Emily. You can't do rapid fire on Emily because she's too big of a deal. Yeah. we got to give her no. her own time. Um, she is your better half. I think you would agree with that. Um, Agreed. She stays killing the game. She does creative marketing, graphic design for herself. How nice is it to just have her in your life from a personal standpoint, but also professionally? She gets it. And she knows oh, yeah. what you do, you get what she does, and you guys have that common ground. So if one of you has a bad day at work, you actually understand what the other person is yeah. going through. And yeah. if you if you have a good day, you also understand how hard it is to go through what you're going through and to have those good days and share that with each other. That's got to be really nice for you guys both to have.
2: It is. It is. And I mean, it, we've taught each other a lot. Um, you know she's more probably more business savvy than me um, especially when it comes to money and and you know valuing my work and and really you know I think uh, I, I suffered from the the I'm just a kid that wants to be an artist kind of per thing at, at earlier in my my career that you know I'm doing things that I would do for free don't tell anybody but you know you gotta you got to get paid for it right you got bills right. to pay and and she kind of helped me you know figure out my value figure out my worth uh, you know how to how to do these quotes, how to talk to clients. She's very, very great at that. And uh, on top of that, she's an amazing artist. She's, she understands voice and tone, like watching her, you know, run somebody's social media. She, she takes extra care of learning who the person is, learning how they would talk, learning what they would say, how they text, what emojis they use. I mean, it's a lot more than just, you know, Hey, we're racing today at six o'clock. It's you know, how would a, a Tyler Ingram or a Ryan Truex actually say this? And how do we keep it authentic so that the fan doesn't know that somebody else is running the sticks? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a low extra level of care and authenticity that she puts into her work just like I do. And I think that's uh, you know, on top of everything, we just we care that extra bit and maybe too much at sometimes, but it, it shows and and we put our heart and soul into what we do and we make sure that it's authentic and on point. Um, and you know, living, like you said, living in the same house, we both have, you know, uh, days at work that aren't great. We're both grinding until, you know, one to 2 AM at some point yeah. after work, trying to get jobs done. And, uh, you know, we're both working on the weekends, there's races and, you know, we kind of have that understanding that, uh, you know, things got to get done and we find the time to, to have fun and kind of, you know, take the load off every now and then too. And, and we found good ways to balance that kind of support each other and get us through. Definitely.
1: So, Besides the work that you do now with SHR, I mean, Kevin Harvick's obviously a big name. You've worked with Chase Elliott and the Hooters brand. You recently worked with Bubba Wallace, 2311, for that McDonald's brand collab. Bobby Labonte with that cookout, dope, modified scheme and all the swag that went along with that. Who are some other big names or some other big brands that you've worked with over the last few years where you've had to sit back for a second and pinch yourself and say, hold on, I'm doing what with who?
2: (laughs) Well, you, you've seen me sipping on it the whole time, but I just got off uh, doing the Liquid Death merch too, um, which I mean, I had been getting targeted ads from them for like a year and a half, and then I had an email well, then. In my, yeah I had an email in my inbox going, hey, we'd like to do a NASCAR shirt. Um, so, you know, working with folks like Liquid Death, like you said, Bobby Labonte, Um, you know, I, he probably won't watch this, but, you know, when you get a phone call from Bobby Labonte, that's just how'd I get here? I don't know. You know like, um, and his wife, Kristen is amazing. Um, actually that relationship started through doing the, uh, the hall of fame shirts back at NASCAR. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to, got to do his, his hall of fame tee and all that stuff. And we worked very well together there. Um, that was a really cool class, him and Tony both. And, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, so it's, it's been really awesome. I got to do a lot. When I was at NASCAR, I got to do all the hall of fame t-shirts for 18, 19 and 20. Um, you know, working with Red Farmer on his Hall of Fame shirt. You're sitting there on a Zoom call with Red Farmer, like it's just you know, it's amazing pinch yourself moments. Um, you know, getting a text from from Tony Stewart about something on his you know personal side of things. It's uh, you know, you 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 gotta you balance the professionalism, but you still do have to sit back and, and think about these things and look at how far you've come. I mean, it's I went from being a, just a fan watching it on TV in 2015 to you know was 7 years later, 6 years later now. Um having these relationships with with drivers that I grew up looking up to and I feel and, you. You know like the Interstate Batteries Bobby Labonte car like that's just the coolest thing ever. Those Pontiacs, those wide Pontiacs and um I mean I don't know, I'm trying to think uh Liquid Death that's one of the most recent. Um I mean back to Kurt Bush's personal cars back in 17 and 18 when he did the Gold right. Rush Rally.
1: Made that GT, um, right?
2: Yeah, the Ford GT got to got to drive it for like thirteen feet to put it back in the garage. So I can wow. say that I've driven, I've driven a, right there. <laughs> I've driven a 27, 2017 Ford GT at like two miles Woo! an hour back in the garage. And you didn't crash garage. it. But no, I didn't but I, I got <laughs> to sit in it and drive it for a little bit. But but yeah, man, I've been extremely blessed. And uh, you know, there's a couple of things on the horizon that are coming through through Lou Creative that, you know, I've I've got some NDAs on and um, you know, it's just been, it's been really cool, man. I get to work with a lot of good clients and I'm thankful to, to be at a job that, that allows Lou creative to continue to thrive and, uh, allows me to do the things that I'm able to do. And, uh, you know, they, I'm dedicated to, to my nine to five from, from nine to five and even beyond, you know, we've got race weekend stuff in here, but, um, you know, from, from seven to, to 2 AM every now and then I'm working on my, myself and on, you know, on the other side of that, Blue creative has a lot of Mustang stuff too. So um, that's what I do my retro meet through and i've got my own mustang line of of merch and shirts and um so yeah man it's my place to it's my th- that's my uh, christmas card you know that's my Sandbass christmas card yeah. area that's where I, I get to have some freedom and go have fun and and not you know have the the major consequences of of a 9 to 5 job so keeps me sane keeps me uh keeps me passionate allows me to allows me to try new things and explore stuff in different areas so that i can take it back into my day job and and build that skill set a little more. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the Mustangs a couple times, and I did some uh, did some intel with some of our mutual friends before this chat. And you know, I said, "Hey, I'm talking to Harris. What's some stuff that's maybe off the beaten path, maybe beneath the surface that I can bring up?" And I knew, obviously, and I know oh. that you love Mustangs, and you you have the meets every year. But they all brought up Mustang Week and and everything yeah. that goes into that week and all the planning and the preparation and just the passion that you have for it. So I guess it's kind of a simple question. Why Mustangs? Where did that passion come from? And and why is it blossomed into this crazy, crazy obsession?
2: So my, my dad, uh, is a huge Ford guy. Been a Ford guy all his life. Um, he's probably happier you know, working he, for
1: Stuart Haas than.
2: Yeah. I mean, when, <laughs> when, when, when they called and started entertaining me, it was like, you know, if I'm a word for a team. I'm gonna have the Ford logo to. on my shirt. That's a no, that's a no brainer. Right. Um, but yeah, he's been a Ford guy all his life. And, you know, he, he loved the Mustang in the eighties. He graduated in 82. My mom graduated in 85. Um, so like he, he wasn't, he didn't quite have the money in college to buy a, a 1987 or 85 Mustang, but he always wanted one. And, uh, when he and my mom first got together, she, she needed a new car and he convinced her to buy a 89 Mustang hatchback, um, four cylinder, but it had a red interior, had the five speed, it was red on black Um, they did, they put some new wheels on it. They had louvers on it. And, uh, that was the car that they sold when they found out I was coming. And uh, (laughs) so, um, they went from an 89 Mustang to a a 92 Escort four-door, uh, definitely not as cool. And, uh, so from that, from that point on, it was like, my dad kind of groomed me to want one of those and and want one of those body styles in your blood. Yeah. Um, actually, I mean, you might cut this part out, but I was actually conceived in that 89 Mustang.
1: Oh, I'm absolutely um,
2: leaving that in. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, about nine months after that happened, they had sold the car and we're getting an escort. Um, so, I mean, I guess I was born to be a Mustang guy, you know, literally. Uh, yeah. So I got my first, uh, I got my 93 and when I was 15, uh, and my dad was unemployed at the time. And so we were hurting for money. So we we got my car for 800 bucks and uh, it ran and drove, but it was definitely an $800 car. Um, (laughs) Like I I rode home. I didn't know how to drive stick yet. And it was gross. I mean, the guy was a chain smoker. The the back quarter window was busted out. It was, had a headlight that was duct taped in. It was just, the guy used it as a paint truck. So there was house paint spots, But hey, you had a Mustang. It was yours. Yeah. Yeah. I had one I rode home that day like this like with my hand in my lap and like not wanting to touch anything because it was yeah, gross play, but uh I guess 15 16 years later it's got an engine swap and it's it's gorgeous and it's sitting on wheels and um I've taken the interior part of that one like five or six times now it's but your baby um that is that's my that's my baby old Calypso so uh yeah it's been just about as difficult as Calypso was in Pirates of the Caribbean too every now and then but uh <laughs> But yeah, and then I've got Grandpa Vert, which is my red convertible with the white top. So it's got white hair and it, it looked like an old man's car when I bought it. So it's grandpa vert. Uh, but yeah, and then those two led me to Mustang Week, which was is every year in, in Myrtle Beach. Uh, this year is actually the final one. So if you've never been and you want to go, this is the one to go to. Why is it the last um, one? So the the Myrtle Beach, uh well, if you if you YouTube Mustang Week crash, um there's a lot of them. And uh, unfortunately, Myrtle Beach has kind of shut some things down and, and closed some avenues for for the event. And it's it's been nothing of the fault of the event organizers. It's just, you know, as the as the kids get younger and, you know, the, the car culture has changed a little bit and it's, you know, just burnouts and, and donuts and you know, nefarious activity that the city and the police don't like, um, yeah. has kind of piled up and, and kind of pushed them out a little bit. Um,
1: so get out this year if, while you can.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a hundred percent the reason, but I think some of their opportunities have been taken by some of the riff raff. And, uh, okay. so it's one, fi- one farewell. It'll be the 21st year, um, of the event. And that'll be the final one. Um, uh, who knows? I think it's up for sale. I think the name's up for sale. So somebody might move it to somewhere else, but, uh, I can see it now. Most-
1: Mustang week presented
2: by Lou creative. I don't think I can afford it. Um, never said never. but uh, retro Meet will, will continue. We'll live yes. on after Mustang week. Um, that's been something that Emily and I, and, and a couple of friends have built for the best. This will be the fifth one. Um, so that'll, that, that's got some interested parties elsewhere and, um, looking at different venues and avenues to take that. And that's my, my event. It's all vintage themed from, you know, the old old mustangs if you want to all the way up to 1999 um and we we have a retro dj we have a costume contest you know you come decked out in your neon and your Mm -hmm. you know your leg warmers and uh and then we do a burnout contest at the end and the winner gets a a trophy and and bragging rights and um so yeah we're we're moving that on to a different event after this year but uh this will be the last one at mustang week and it should be a good time
1: well, uh, I got two more for you. We'll go quick, but I really want to have you back on because I got a lot of questions about your Mustang obsession and uh, the <laughs> body build with the Fox body. Like Everything is so, so cool because I, I followed you on Instagram forever, and I've seen everything throughout the years and how it's materialized, but we'll have you on again for that. Two more things, and I know this is so, so hard but out of all the things you've designed, whether it be posters, paint schemes, you know where I'm going, drivers you've worked with, campaigns, is there one that sticks out among the rest for whatever reason and you say, you know what? That's my number one. That's the thing I'm most proud of or that's the thing that was super, super cool. Is there one thing?
2: Man, I will say the one that holds the most weight uh, was being able to do Sam's memorial decal um, in Atlanta, the, the week after he passed, mm-hmm. um, I had to fight for that one. I had to go to, I had to go to bat. Um, cause we had, we had kinda, uh, there was kind of a, an unspoken rule that those Memorial decals were only for hall of famers or former drivers. And, uh, I had to fight and, and make a case. And, you know, the first thing I got, I did when I got back from Daytona that, that Monday after was make that decal. And, um, thankfully, uh, uh, Jill Gregory. Uh, heard me out and and co-signed it and we got it pushed through and, and it was on the car at Atlanta and very cool you know I I uh I'm the kind of person that uh that believes everything happens for a reason but the decal itself was was orange and blue and then Brad Kozowski put the orange and blue auto trader that. car in victory lane that day um so <sighs> old Sam upstairs it was the number two car which he designed so mm-hmm. many schemes for and it matched the decals so got a I sense think, of humor uh,
1: that sam
2: yeah i think he uh, i think he might have put his hand down on the on the diecast and pushed it forward for us but uh <laughs> but yeah i'd say out of everything that's probably the one that holds the most weight and uh and then i'll, I'll be cliche and and say you know the next one um that's that's what i'm most proud of is that I, a race that car I, driver <laughs> that <laughs> i that i keep that i keep getting to do it and yeah. i i hope that i hope that I continue having the opportunities and the, and the success for years to come. And, and like I said, I'm just a, a a fan and an artist that that got lucky enough to get a job. Um, I'm just a kid drawing cars and and hope to keep doing it for years.
1: We're more than lucky. You're damn good. Uh, My (laughs) last question, I'm curious. I asked a lot of people this you've done so much in so little time, right? You're only 30 years old and it feels like you've already lived an entire career that is Hall of Fame worthy. You got my vote. Um, What else do you want to accomplish in in your career, whether that be inside of graphic design, whether that be outside of the sport of NASCAR with Mustang week or, or anything that you're passionate about? Is there something that you want to accomplish? Is there one thing you want to work on? Is there some logo you want to design? Have you put your finger on anything that's on the bucket list that you say, you know what, before I hang it up, I want to do that.
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, and I don't, I don't know what I want to do next, um, but I do know that I drew the first version of the Lou logo when I was in eighth grade, um, and, and it's hanging on my be- my childhood bedroom door still. And uh, it was Lou Motors headquarters, um, and I don't know, you know, what's down the road or, or what's next, but. Um, I want to, I want to have, you know, I want to have my own thing. I want to do, I mean, I'm currently doing it right. But, um, I want to be that, that full service, you know, you know, go-to person, go-to business in the industry that they come for, for creative things. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, 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 you know, grinding and learning and, and I love where I'm at right now. And I I love things that I'm getting to do, but, you know, I'm, I'm taking pieces here and there and I'm putting them in my, putting them in my, my, uh, bag of, of tricks and, and trying to see, you know, what's next and, and where I'm going. Um, but definitely, you know, I, I always wanted to be that Chip Foose. I always wanted to be that Sam Bass and, you know, they, they have their own thing and they, they did their own thing and, and they made a name for themselves. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to work where I work and, and to have worked where I've worked. And, uh, but I think long-term goal, you know, I don't know how far in the future, five, 10 years, 20 years, um, hopefully at some point I'll be able to take the leap and, and, uh, you know, make new creative, the thing, um, not just the, you know, and obviously it'll turn into a job at that point. So I have to find something else to be my, (laughs) my, uh, my Christmas card. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's been the dream for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I've been practicing my autograph since I was five or since I could, you know, seven or eight years old. So, you know, someday, uh, maybe I'll have some prints hanging on people's walls with autographs and, uh, and I can, you know, kind of carry on that legacy. And maybe some kid'll meet me at a meet and greet one day by accident yep. and become the become the next Harris Lou. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it all in all, I wanna be able to give back. I wanna be able to to show the the next generation that this is a possibility the same way Sam showed me. And uh, I wanna I wanna have, you know, I wanna be Lou creative, you know. I wanna I wanna have that be the the forefront. So that's that's uh don't know how far down the road or how far we're looking ahead, but, yeah, that's uh, that's what I hope is next someday.
1: Well, you are paying it forward. You continue to pay it forward, and I have no doubt that you will have that moment, whether it's two days from now, five years, ten years, you're going to have that moment where there's a young kid who comes in and you are there, Sam Bass. I have yeah. no doubt that's going to happen because I you're hope too so, talented for it not to happen. I'm telling you. That's the,
2: that's the dream. That's the goal. I just – I want to show other folks that this is a possibility, and you know, people like you. Hey, graphic design is a career. You don't have to do all the math. You know, I mean, you do have to do <laughs> math, but you gotta you gotta know how big the car is. You gotta know what the size for the but hero not part too is. much but, math. Yeah, you're not you know you're not doing Pythagorean theorem and no whatever else calculus. No quadratic stats. formula for me. Yeah, you're using inches and feet. Not you know. Yes. You're not doing rocket science. So yeah, yeah, man.
1: Well, it's been great getting to learn your story a little bit more. As I've said, I have fought, we followed each other forever and, um, I feel like we've never gotten to sit down and talk to each other. And I have never gotten the chance to really learn your story more in depth, um, and learn, you know, how influential Sam was on you and how you started. And you taught me the history of graphic design, which I'm very grateful for. um yeah so uh thank you for your time thank you for your story thank you for your work it is so so great to just see it pop up whenever wherever on all these different social platforms and i may or may not have on my bucket list now walking down pit road at whatever track and i want you to be wearing like a full fire suit and a helmet like ready to jump over the pit wall (laughs) with your camera with a camera taking pictures (laughs) and that's on my bucket list now just because of you
2: harris (laughs) I could probably find some extra pit crew jackets laying around. I think you could
1: (laughs) just make sure it's not that old sandwich company.
2: No, no, no. You got to make sure that's all gone. Like, Hey, apparently we've got a lot of uh, a lot of Kevin Harvick merch right now that, uh, like the the Hamilton jackets. I think, I think they're on sale. And, uh, so if anybody wants a a Kevin Harvick Bush jacket, go to the Stuart Haas racing store. I think we're trying to trying to get those out of there pretty quick.
1: (laughs) Get on out there. Well, thank you, Harris. It's been so great. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. We'll see you down the road. And keep following you everywhere for all the dope work. Where can people find you on socials?
2: Uh, at Lou Creative on Instagram, at Harris Lou on Twitter. Uh, Harris Lou and Lou Creative on Facebook. I've got a YouTube, but I don't do much with it. Um, but you can see some of my car progress there. That's that's Harris Lou. And, uh, and, yeah, my website's loucreative.com. You can find some of my Mustang-themed merch or a Lou Creative hat or shirt at shoploucreative.com. And, uh, Hey, if you want some work, hit up lucreative.com. I've got a section Do where it. you can contact me and, and we can make a cool NASCAR shirt or get you a new logo or whatever you need. So, uh, yeah, that's where to find me and honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I, I always am excited to watch your race recaps every weekend. Your impersonations, <laughs> your impersonations are on point. You kill it every time. Thank you. Thank um, and, uh, it's an honor to be here talking to you today and thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I echo what Harris said well worth your time well worth your investment monetarily and also just with your time He does the best work. There is so we'll be seeing a lot more of you down the road. Harris. I appreciate you, brother Thank you And we're back so so much great info there great conversation with Harris. Thank you so much for the time brother It was great to catch up as I said, it was great to get to know you a little bit better because I feel like we followed each other forever on socials, but never got to sit down and actually chat. So that was so, so great. Appreciate your honesty and your candor about everything that we chatted about, especially the sandbass stuff. And appreciate your work. It is killer. Keep it up, my friend. We can't wait to see what you got cooking for the rest of this year. Guys, it is officially time to talk about the Daytona 500. It was awesome. Great vibes down there. No rain, which was unbelievable it was so nice thankful for front stretch for being able to send me down there and it's funny because you know i always book my flight back from daytona on monday after the race is supposed to end but the last couple of years 2020 and 2021 the race races ended on a monday and then you would have to fly back on a tuesday so i proactively said you know what hopefully there's not going to be any weather concerns but just in case there is i'm gonna book my flight home on a tuesday And what do you know, the only time it rained all week long was only for a 10-minute span before practice that postponed it for only 10 minutes. Everything else was dry, sunny, beautiful, warm. It was just such a breath of fresh air, literally. And it was the perfect storm to not have any storms in Daytona Beach this speed week. So that was so, so great. We obviously got to talk about the race itself. Austin Cindric is your winner. A bit like last year with Michael McDowell, I think that that was surprising, but not shocking, considering that Michael McDowell was always great on Super Speedways. Austin Cindric, he's a great driver. He had won on Super Speedways before in the Xfinity Series. But to come into your first full-time season in Cup, in the two-car, replacing Brad Keselowski in the sport's biggest race, his eighth career start, and win it convincingly. It's not like he lucked into it with the last lap pass or whatever. I mean, he had the lead for a lot of the race. He kept it. He worked well with his teammates, and he earned that victory for sure. It was a wild finish too, wasn't it? I mean, Ryan Blaney, he deserves to be pissed and mad about how that ended, but Austin did everything he was supposed to do and everything that anybody else would have done in that position, which is block to your heart's content. If that means shoving your team into the wall coming to the start finish line, so be it. You know, Blaney obviously was very pissed after the race, but he did shake his hand in victory lane and congratulate him, and he's happy that a Penske car won. But Austin Cindric did nothing wrong. He has absolutely nothing to apologize for, and he said as much. So I agree with him there. And Ryan Blaney also was just happy that a Penske car won the race because holy bejesus, happy birthday, Mr. Penske. On his 85th birthday, Roger Penske is a winner in the Daytona 500 for the third time in his career. 85 never looked and felt so good for Roger Penske, did it? I bet it did not. So what a race. What a weekend. Austin Hill wins the Xfinity race. Zane Smith wins the truck race. Corey Heim once again wins the ARCA race. RFK wins the duels with Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher. Kyle Larson obviously won the poll for qualifying. I had a great, great time at Mike and Angie Skinner's house on a Wednesday night. That was so cool to get to know them and come into their home and enjoy a nice dinner with some Sirius XM compadres. It was such a fun, busy, really, really busy week down at Daytona. Got to see a lot of people, so if you said hello to me, thank you for doing so. And if you're listening now, I appreciate you even more. But it was just great to be back at the track. Great vibes, sellout, 150,000 strong, great weather. Oh, there is nothing like the great American race, and I'm glad that I was able to experience once again in person, and I had a great, great time doing so. I hope you guys enjoyed my coverage down there on site in Daytona Beach. And now we turn our attention to the West Coast. Once again, we were just out in California and L.A. for the Clash of the Coliseum, and we going back out there this weekend for Auto Club Speedway's return to NASCAR. For the first time in a couple years, the Cup and Xfinity Series are taking to Fontana, Race there in 2020 right before the pandemic reared its ugly head, did not race there last year because of COVID restrictions in the state of California. But fear not, we are back this year and better than ever with the next-gen car rolling in there. Obviously, there are some concerns about the next-gen car with the wheel issues that happened at Daytona. Uh, There was a fueling issue with Cole Custer. The backstretch at Auto Club is super, super rough and bumpy, so they grinded that down a little bit so it wouldn't mess with the rear diffuser on the next-gen car. So we'll see how that works and if that works to the designed specifications that NASCAR wanted, but I'm just happy that we're going back there. I don't know what the future holds for Fontana, whether or not it's going to become a short track, whether or not it's going to stay a two-mile oval, whether or not it's going to go off of the NASCAR schedule completely, whether or not the land's gonna get sold, I don't know what's gonna happen. And Dave Allen, the track president, was pretty non-committal when asked about it at the Clash. But I think he honestly doesn't really know either. What I do know is that regardless of what happens in the future, we're gonna get at least one more good race on the two-mile configuration. It's an old track, worn-out surface, baking in the hot southern southern baking in the hot southern central LA sun. It's always a great race. It's a great track, and I'm excited to see what the drivers and teams put on in terms of a show this weekend. The Wise Power 400 is the Cup Series race. Green flag flies a little bit after 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage can be found on Fox Sports 1. And, of course, the Xfinity Series also in action, the Production Alliance 300, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. That'll wrap things up, party people, on this episode of Victory Lane 2.0 episode 137 in the books. It has came and it has went If you like what you heard here today, please do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, again, wherever you get your podcast, we should be available there for you. And if we're not, drop me a line and I will try to get that issue rectified. Until next week when we have on another guest from the world of NASCAR and motorsports, I hope you guys have a great, great weekend and a great week coming up. Peace and love, my dudes and dudettes. Enjoy Fontana this weekend. Race season is off and rolling.